everybody, and welcome to another episode of the One Word Podcast. I am Pastor Iron Petrie, and I am so glad that you have chosen to tune in with me today and take time out of your busy Friday schedule, or perhaps maybe your relaxing Friday schedule. I don't know uh, where this finds you, but I pray that in whatever condition you're in, you're blessed, that you're content, and that you are witnessing the blessing and favor and the goodness of God in your life. Uh, I'm so excited about this particular podcast, and I've I've been sitting here just before we went live, uh, just kind of thinking about some of the things that I'm going to share today, and I really believe that um, the information that I'm going to share today is really, you know, a lot of times when we we preach and preachers kind of talk about what they're going to minister on, it's like, this is going to be life-changing. Oh, this is going to be life-changing. This can change your life. (laughs) And, uh, And that's true. Anytime you open the Word of God, the potential uh, to uh, be impacted by something that's life-changing is constant because God's Word can change your life. And it only takes one word to get embedded within your heart that absolutely, totally, and radically changes and transforms your life. We believe that completely here. But this is a little different. I believe this message, this particular podcast, has the potential to save your life. Not just change it, save it. Um, and so I, I, I just, sometimes when God speaks to your heart and he gives you something to share, uh, you, you don't always know how it's all going to come out. And I've got all my notes lined out here. I don't always bring notes to the podcast. Sometimes I just talk to you straight off the cuff, as they say, and really whatever God's put in my heart to, to share with you. But this, this took a little preparation because I want to walk you through some things that I think are vitally important for the day and hour in which we live. And I pray that you find value in this. And, and do me a favor. If at the end of this, uh, because I probably won't mention this again, I'm just going to get right into this and, and, and walk through it. Uh, if you do find value in this that was tremendous for you and it blessed you, I want you to share this with your family, with your friends, your loved ones, your pastors, your, your fellow church members, coworkers, and whomever. Uh, because all of us share one thing in common, and that is we are living together in these days that we're living in, and these are, as the scripture says, the last days. And so I think all of us could stand to be uh, strengthened and edified and empowered to be able to navigate these very perilous and very uncertain times that we live in. And so if you looked at the title on this um, live stream, you saw that we're going to be talking about the subject of discernment. Uh, this, is a, this is a subject that is tossed about, bantered about, uh, mentioned in all kinds of ways. Uh, and I think it's important that we really, we really tie down and screw down our understanding to God's Word concerning discernment because I've heard some things in the effort to teach on discernment that kind of muddy the waters uh, and so much so that people, I don't know if they come away with greater discernment or come away worse, <laughs> you know. So I'm going to do my, my best <clears throat> to obey the Spirit of God, <clears throat> excuse me, to obey the Spirit of God here today to make sure that I don't do that, that I don't leave you muddier than I found you, that I don't leave you more confused than I found you, but really with a working knowledge of what this is all about. And we're just going to follow the Holy Spirit here in this. Matthew chapter 24 records the time in which Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. And, of course, his disciples are concerned around this time. In Matthew's writings, you know, we're getting close to chapter, there's only 28 chapters in Matthew, so we're getting close to the end of Matthew's gospel. 
and Matthew and Jesus is getting ready to, to leave, is getting ready to be crucified. And so Jesus starts to prepare them and teach them some things. And they ask him while he's on the Mount of Olives, you know, about the sign of his coming. What is going to be the sign of your coming? They became very interested in knowing when are we going to know you're coming back? Because we know what you're talking about and we've heard what you've preached and said and whatnot, but we've got some questions. And so the disciples were interested. And when they asked that question, the first thing out of Jesus' mouth, the first thing, you can go back and read it in your own time in Matthew chapter 24. It'd do you good to read the whole chapter. But the first thing out of Jesus' mouth was take heed to yourself that you be not deceived. Now, if the first thing out of my Savior's mouth to me after I ask him, what is it going to look like when you're coming? What is it going to be like when you're on your way? If my Savior and my Master says to me, the first thing out of his mouth is, take heed to yourself. Or in other words, this is your responsibility. <laughs> take heed to yourself that you be not deceived. What does that tell me? That tells me as a disciple, as a child of God, that evidently one of the massive, major, pervasive signs of Jesus' return is going to be pervasive deception. It is going to be tons and tons of opportunity to go off. Because that's really basically all deception is. To wander off. To go off the path. To go away from the truth. To go away from what is right. To go into something that is wrong. So when Jesus, our Savior, opens his mouth, before he gets to wars and rumors of wars, before he gets to noise and pestilence, before he gets to earthquakes in diverse places, before he gets to nation rising against nation, ethnic group against ethnic group, and all of these different things, before he starts laying all of that out to us, the first thing out of his mouth is, take heed to yourself that you be not deceived. And then he goes on to tell us that there are going to be many that come saying, I am Christ. I believe that's twofold. There are going to be many that come that, one, who are deceived enough <laughs> to say that they are the Christ, that they are in some kind of way the reincarnation or some version, some iteration of the Messiah, of the Savior. There are going to be those. Satan, that's Satan's M.O. He is the... He is the absolute thrust behind the Antichrist, and so he's going to come with posers who call themselves Christ, the Messiah. But secondly, I think it's also that many are going to come saying, I am anointed. Many are going to come up saying, I am to be heard, that I've gifted, that I have this gift. And you're going to see any number of self-proclaimed anointeds and anointed ones, and you're going to see people come out of the woodworks. And if you look at the way our present culture is structured with the advent of social media, with the advent of the 24-hour news cycle, with the advent of mass media, you can see very clearly how we can be inundated and overwhelmed with a, just a massive din of voices. I mean, voices 24 hours a day, seven days a week, something you can watch, something you can hear, something you can visit. On this podcast today, this Friday afternoon, I am another talking head amongst many. 
right? And so you're going to hear voices on top of voices, on top of voices, on top of voices. It makes it very easy to see where when Paul was telling Timothy that many in the last days, they would heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. That word heap means to accumulate to a great amount, meaning that people would listen to lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of voices, that they would stack up things. And you see this now where people... They go on YouTube and they bounce from one thing to the next, one thing to the next. And a lot of times we can be living in these prophetic declarations of scripture and not even know it because we've kind of been like the, the, the frog in the, in the pot. We've been slowly warmed up in these things and we've seen all these technological breakthroughs and we don't realize we're in the middle of it right now. We're in the middle of thus saith the Lord, right? And so you're seeing this possibility with the advent of all of this stuff. So you can see very clearly what Jesus said takes on new meaning and relevance to us and wait because you can see how you can be quickly and easily deceived in these last days because you're going to be hearing from everybody all the time. And in the process of hearing all of these voices, the thing that becomes premium, the thing that becomes paramount, that that takes on ultimate value is the ability to discern. Because if you can't discern, Satan will use the tactic of, of these times and the structure of our age, and he will overwhelm you. <laughs> he will overwhelm you in the news. He'll overwhelm you on your social media. He'll overwhelm you to the point you don't know whether you're going and coming. You're listening to somebody say Jesus is Lord and somebody questioning his lordship. You're listening to somebody saying that this is right and somebody saying the same thing they said was right is wrong. You'll listen to somebody say this is airtight truth and the next person is telling you there ha it has holes in it. You will hear so much and things will come across very plausible. Things will come across very much uh, easily entreated. They'll be like, oh, that really makes a lot of sense. Oh, you know, I never thought about it like that. And, and, and we're funny because as human beings, we tend, to, we tend to think highly of ourselves the more we think about something. Like we think highly of thinking. Right? We think highly of thinking, like we're really, really being uh, our best selves when we're sitting around pontificating endlessly over things, <laughs> right? And we're just, we're just really indulging in the intellect and we're, we're all, you can almost see us posture in it because we love it on podcasts like this one and on all kinds of things where we, we really embrace this idea that we are evolving evolutionary intellects, that we can really pick things apart and we can get into the esoteric discovery and, and all of this different kinds of things when it comes to ideas. And the Bible says this, we can become ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Then Ecclesiastes says, much studying is, a, is exhausting to the body. And then at the end of Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon says, hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments. And so he cuts down through all of the noise and just gives us what our whole duty as a man and a woman really is in this life, to fear God, to revere him, and to keep his word. So in the midst of all of this, it becomes very easy for us to see the possibility for deception. And so Jesus talks to us about discernment. Now, if you're a born-again child of God, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. Scripture tells us in 1 John I believe it's 1 John 2 and 20, 20, 
27 as well. You also get it in 1 John chapter 4, where John tells us the anointing we have received of him teaches us all things. And then we know that Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth, right? So we have this comforter that leads us into all truth, that teaches us all things. So intrinsically, inherently, inside of every born-again believer is the, the ability to apprehend the truth, the ability to know when something is of God and it's not. The ability to, to know when that's, that's God, that's the Spirit of God, that's the character of God, and something isn't. So that's in us being born again. That's in us at the start as born-again children of God. But can I tell you something? The Scripture introduces certain things to us that we're going to get into here today that let us know that discernment is not just something you can depend on as an endowment of the Spirit. You play a role in sharpening your discernment because you've also seen a lot of Spirit-filled, God-loving, Bible-reading believers who get deceived, who go off, who miss the mark. And, and, and I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about get deceived as it pertains to what they believe, and they move over into some false teaching, false idea, false narrative. They, they, things that they once held dear, they discard, and they, they wander off into some other teaching and some other truth and some other thing. And so, so discernment is something that you and I must, must do what Jesus said about. He said to the disciples, take heed to yourself that you be not deceived. So he puts a responsibility on us not to just depend, oh, I got the Holy Spirit, I know. Well, I've seen a whole lot of people with the Holy Spirit and they have the Holy Spirit just like you and I have the Holy Spirit. They authentically have him and they're authentically born again and they go off. So what does the word of God tell me about sharpening my discernment so that I can, I can trust my discernment and trust discernment in these times. So now let's jump into this, and I want to take you to a very familiar passage first off, and it's in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Of course, you know verses 1 where, where um, Paul's talking to the church at Rome, and he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he goes into verse 2, and this is where he gives us, whether we know it or not, one of the master foundational keys to sharpening your discernment. He says, and do not be conformed. I'm going to read this out of the New King James. It's a very familiar passage. Most of you know it by heart, but it does you good to read it. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove... What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Now let's go through this verse and let's break down three main components here that are vital. Number one, he says, do not be conformed to the world. So conformed to the world is the first thing that he says to us. Be renewed in your mind or have your mind renewed. That you may prove. And if you have a Bible, if you have your iPhone, your iPad or whatever, you need to be highlighting this. 
He says, don't be conformed, renew your mind that you may be able to prove. So the renewing of my mind is to give me the ability to do something. The renewing of my mind is to give me the ability to prove something. And then he goes on to tell me what that is. What is that good, acceptable, that perfect will of God? Or in other words, to ascertain the will of God. Now, let's back up for a moment. The word conform simply means to pattern or mold yourself after. Now, when the scripture here talks about the world, it's talking about the age, the ion, the eon, if you look it up in the Greek, the age in which we live. So when we're talking about the age, we're, not talk we're talking about the overall attitude, the mentality, the spirit of the time you're living in. So he's saying, don't pattern yourself. Don't mold yourself. Don't shape yourself after the spirit of the age you're living in. In other words, don't turn on television and pattern yourself after what you're hearing. Don't pattern yourself after the culture. Don't, don't pattern yourself after the age you're in. Now this is so, you're gonna find out this is so vitally important that we start right here with this because this means everything. But we're gonna keep moving and we're gonna come back to it and revisit it. So don't pattern yourself, don't mold yourself after the age, the ways, the customs, the ideas, the spirit of the times. But be renewed or transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. That means to recognize. That means to test, to apprehend, to recognize, identify what is the will of God. Now, what does this verse of scripture tell me right there in front of us? It tells me that if I pattern myself after the age, I'm going to lose my ability to apprehend the will of God. Hear me. If I pattern myself after the age, it's going to affect, it's going to affect me in dulling my ability to apprehend God's will. If I'm going to pattern myself <laughs> after this age when it, as it pertains to relationships, I'm not going to apprehend God's will for my relationships, my marriage, my children, my family. If I'm going to pattern myself after this age when it comes to finances, I'm not going to apprehend God's will concerning my financial well-being. If, <clears throat> if I'm going to pattern myself after this age as it pertains to purpose and career chasing and clout chasing and being on my grind and doing all these things, I'm not going to apprehend God's purpose, God's plan for my life. How much I pattern myself after this age will affect my ability to recognize the will of God. And I am at the risk of being redundant, going to sit right here for a while because this must be understood. Because I see a move in our times in which believers are attempting to hold on to as much of worldliness as they possibly can and still walk with God. The Bible makes it plainly, bluntly, matter-of-factly clear. If you are a friend of the world, the age, the culture, 
the spirit of the times, you're going to be an enemy of God. Now, you can't make it any plainer than that. There is no gray area that we think we can occupy in between these, these different polarities, the world and the flesh and the devil and God and his kingdom, right? He tells me here in Romans, before we get into any type of discernment, which discernment is in this verse, and we're going to get to that in a minute, you're going to have to make the decision not to pattern yourself after the world. You're going to have to make the decision that you're going to come out from among them and be you separate. If you're going to apprehend God's will, which is vitally important, then you're going to have to not pattern yourself after the culture. You're not going to, you're not going to be able to pattern yourself after the music, after the mentality, after the mindset, after the spirit of the age, the overall mood and attitude of the age. You know, we're in this mood now of real self-exaltation and self-aggrandizement. We're in this age of really look at me, do me, I'm me, my truth, my love, my walk, my life. Everything is centered in the self. So now we have to be very careful because as believers, if we're not careful, we will drift over into that type of teaching in pursuit of divine purpose. Well, if I'm patterning myself after a me philosophy, I'm going to not be able to apprehend God's purpose for me. Even if what I do looks like it's successful and good, I'll still be millions of miles off because I haven't heeded the first thing he told me, which was, you're not going to be able to pattern yourself after the culture, after the age, and apprehend my will. Is that clear? I pray that's clear to you. So he said, my wife is aiding me. She don't know she can be heard on this, on this, on this microphone. She's excited. <laughs> but uh, so we, we pattern ourselves after the culture. We dull our ability to apprehend the will of God. Secondly, what principle does, does this verse of Scripture introduce to me? <clears throat> it introduces to me that discernment, hear me now, child of God, is the product of growth and maturity, not merely a gift. Discernment is the product of growth and maturity, renewing my mind, right? Not merely a gift. A lot of people think discernment is a gift. People will say, oh, I, I got discernment. Like they went and bought it at a store, like it's something to try on, like, you know, like, it, you know, something they own. I, I have discernment. Do you really? Because here's scripture, and I'm going to keep walking you through this to let you see it clearly in, in the word of God. Discernment is not merely a gift. Like I told you in the beginning, because we're born again, there is the potentiality for being able to apprehend God's will. But I have to mature. I have to grow. I have to renew my mind, according to this, in order to be able to apprehend the will of God, right? So if I stay in a undeveloped, underdeveloped, immature state of spirituality in my faith and in my Christianity, then I'm going to affect my discernment, even though the Holy Spirit is in me, even though I'm born again. So it's important for us to know that maturity plays a role in discernment. So discernment is the product of something just as much as it's a part of an endowment from, from God when we get born again. So we know about the endowment, 
But boy, we sure do suffer on the side of the development. And we don't like to embrace this take heed to yourself part, right? To where we have to mature and grow to sharpen our discernment. And I go back to this once again because you see a lot of believers who are Christian people who start off right and end up off the path and they end up drifting into other things. And it's because they didn't recognize that discernment is a product of growth and maturity as much as it is something that we're given with the Holy Spirit within. Amen? So discernment is the product of growth and maturity, not merely a gift. Now I want you to look at the third part in this verse of Scripture. It is the word prove. He says to us, be renewed or, or be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now this word prove, like I said, means to recognize, but it's an interesting word in the Greek. It's dokamadzo. Dokamadzo. It's a real interesting, interesting and very powerful word. And in the Greek language, this word was used in the ancient world to describe the testing and the evaluating of the authenticity of the character of those wanting to hold public office. Dokamadzo. It was a test that people would, it, it, to prove someone, to test someone, to see if you have the character to hold public office, right? But it was also used as a form of testing, it's a word used as a form of testing of coins in ancient Rome to prove if they were counterfeit or not, right? Because at one point, I think it was during the reign of Nero, it began with Nero, um, they had a great fire, I think, in Rome, and it destroyed a lot of things, so they needed a lot of money to rebuild, and they didn't have enough money. And so a lot of counterfeit coins began to be made and pushed into circulation. Well, there became the need for these people, these money changers, to begin to weigh these coins and to find out whether or not these coins were authentic or counterfeit. And, of course, you had lots of people counterfeiting coins. And so the men that were in ancient Rome, that were the money changers that had integrity and that would test the coins and wouldn't allow, wouldn't allow counterfeit coins into circulation, were called dokimos or dokimos, where we get dokimazo. So these were men who were men of integrity who would say, look, that coin isn't the proper weight, it's not properly weighted, so we're not going to let it into circulation, it's counterfeit. And so to prove means to test. It means the ability to spot something counterfeit. See, so I told you discernment is in Romans 12 and 2. And so he tells us here, let's go back. Don't pattern yourself after the culture or the age. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is counterfeit and apprehend that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. <laughs> That's, that's basically Romans 12 and 2. It's giving you the premise for why you renew your mind, and it's to be able to discern. And see, a lot of believers don't understand this, and they think discernment is just something they got or they don't have. No, no. When we grow, we mature, we renew our minds, our discernment is sharpened. We become like dokimos. We become like these money changers who are able to say, ah, oh, no, 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 that's not properly weighted. That's not it. I'm not going with that because that ain't it. Why? What is that, what is that the product of? It's the product of the renewing of the mind. Renew your mind that you may prove, that you may be, that you may dokimazo, that you may be able to see what is counterfeit. Now, hear me and hear this. 
now that you know that, you would not have the ability to identify a counterfeit without an intimate, detailed knowledge of the authentic and the true. You couldn't do it, could you? Now, this is why I talked to you so long about not patterning yourself after the culture, because hear me. To pattern myself after this age prevents me from identifying the authentic will of God. Isn't that what the Bible said? Don't be conformed, be transformed that you may be able to prove it. Which leaves me no point of reference for identifying a counterfeit. And we'll say that again. To pattern myself after this age prevents me from identifying the authentic will of God, which leaves me no point of reference for locating a counterfeit. If I can't identify the will of God, I can't identify falsehood. If I don't know the word and truth of God, I don't know the counterfeit. And this is why you can't pattern yourself after the culture. Because what does Jesus tell us in Matthew 7? He says, you're going to know them by their fruit. Matthew 7, 20, Matthew 7, and I think Matthew 7 in maybe 27, somewhere around in there, he says it again. Talking about false prophets and talking about the times we live in, he said, you're going to know them by their fruit. Well, child of God, if you are patterning yourself after the same culture of the world, then the fruit on your branch will look like the fruit in the person you're trying to prove. So how will you be able to prove it? <laughs> your, your, your fruit looks like their fruit. So they could call themselves a Christian and pass your test and you not even know it. Because you've patterned yourself after the culture that they are a part of. So if I'm patterning myself I'm patterning myself after the same spirit of the age. I won't know those that have that same spirit in them because I'm calling myself a Christian. If I'm calling myself a Christian and my fruit looks like somebody else who isn't, they can pass as a Christian and I wouldn't know it. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? This is so, this is so vitally important because coming out from among them, sanctification allows for discernment. Separation allows for discernment. People are trying to blend and discern. People are trying to fit in and discern. Those two things do not go together, child of God. It does not work. It, it does not work. And so Jesus tells us you're going to know them by their fruit. But we can't know them by their fruit if our fruit looks similar. A lot of people focus a lot of their time on discerning what is counterfeit. You, you, you see these people a lot. You know, I, I, I like to say these are these people, they always walk around with, uh, with tight eyes. You know, they always, they <laughs> they're always trying to discern people. They're always trying to discern things. And Christians always, you know, saying, I have discernment. Well, I'm okay with you discerning. But here's the thing that I've learned in the light of what we're teaching here today. It is more effective. Hear me, child of God. It is more effective than walking around trying to always spot a counterfeit. It is more effective to focus my time on becoming acquainted with the authentic. Effective. 
in essence, to cultivate a deeper relationship with, a deeper understanding of the truth than it is to walk around trying to discern what's fake. Because you're not going to discern what's fake if you have a shoddy relationship with the truth. So my intimacy with truth, my understanding of truth, my walk in the truth, my obedience to the truth provides me now with the ability to spot the counterfeit easily. So I don't have to focus on who's counterfeit. I focus on what is the truth. And I build my life. Because once again, this isn't about pointing fingers and fault finding anyway. That's where a lot of people get off because they talk about discernment because they like being condescending and looking down and nitpicking on people. They have a spirit, they have a spirit that, that is not of Christ and that's not of God. They have an attitude that's not of God. This isn't about pointing out people's flaws. We have whole entire social media platforms off of nitpicking people, picking off of people, and we eat this stuff. We sit here and imbibe this stuff constantly instead of, no, I'm not here to pick apart someone to build my reputation or to build a platform. I'm here to acquaint myself with truth and to live it, to eat it, to breathe it, to walk it out in my life. I, I, I don't have time focusing on everybody else. I am trying to grow up into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ myself. And in doing so, in making sure that I am deeply and intimately acquainted with truth, discernment becomes a byproduct. Sharp discernment becomes a byproduct of a deep acquaintance with truth. Amen? So let's continue to look at this. It says, when you seek to identify what's fake without a mature knowledge of the truth, you will descend into conspiracy theory, cynicism, and could quite possibly become aloof. That means socially detached, separated, distant, because people try to, they try to be discerning about everything without any recognition of truth, right? They're, they're not trying to live the word they hear. They're trying to hear the word so they have something to judge other people by. Well, see, that's not discernment. You will never grow in your discernment that way. You'll never, you'll never discern anything that way. As long as all you know is just something you can use to pick apart and look around at other people, you'll never grow in it, and it'll never become a lens over your eyes to give you discernment into what is true and what is not. You have to take the word of God and allow it to be assimilated into your heart and your life and your lifestyle, your walk for discernment to be sharpened. And so a lot of people, they try to discern all of these things. They try to discern the times and discern what's going on without a real intimate relationship with truth. You have a lot of children, a lot of spiritual babies trying to have ministries that are all about discerning what's fake. And they're babies. They're spiritual babies. And they're spiritual babies trying to see with spiritual adult eyes. Well, no, you have to grow up into him in all things. You have to develop, grow, mature. You, you can't be, you know, we got people talking about discernment and whatnot, and they're not far from the club. They're not far from worldliness. They're not far from things that they, have, they haven't even put away. 
And, and that's not judgment, that's that's truth. That's truth. If, if we're going to talk about these things, we're going to have to not pattern ourselves after the world. Once again, you can't blend and discern. You're not going to be able to do it. And it's almost laughable to say it, but you just, it's the truth. You cannot do it, child of God. You're not going to be able to do that. Now notice, let me say this to you. We, we can descend into cynicism. We can descend into conspiracy theory when we attempt to discern without an intimate knowledge of the truth. To put simply, the more intimate my relationship, as I've said to you with the truth, the sharper my discernment. If I were holding a $20 bill here in front of me, right, an authentic $20 bill, if I'm going to be able to judge whether or not a $20 bill is counterfeit, right, I'm going to not have to look at the counterfeit bill. I'm going to have to study the authentic 20 I'm going to have to know what the U.S. Mint puts in an authentic 20. And the more intimate, the more detailed, the more knowledgeable I am about the characteristics of an authentic 20, a counterfeit will stick out like a sore thumb. I don't even have to pay it any attention because I know the truth. And the truth gives me discernment as I grow in it. So now let's look at a couple other places of scripture here that I think are important for us to understand. Uh, and let's go to Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 12 um, through 14. And this also contains discernment in it. We're going to read it straight through. It says, for though by this time, reading out of the New King James, you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk, not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use or practice have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now here's another witness in the word of God, another verse of scripture that tells me that discernment is the product of. Discernment is the product of growth, maturity, use, and practice of God's word. So here it tells me, look at it again, that by reason of use, that word use means practice, I have my senses. Now that word senses is used in the King James and the New King James, but when you look at it, look at it in the Greek language, it's, it's the word translated for your mind, your understanding, your thoughts. Your, your, it's, it's really, so it's really talking about your thinking. So now we're back to Romans 12, right? So they're really telling us the same thing. So that by virtue of practicing the word of God, by virtue of growing in the truth of God's word, my mind gets renewed, my mind gets changed, I get transformed, no longer conformed to the pattern of the age, and now, now I have discernment of good and evil. Just like I'm able to prove what is that good and acceptable will of God. Do you see this proving, discerning, both of them connected to growth, maturity, and transformation through the renewing of the mind by practicing God's word? So we're seeing here discernment is the product of. And this is why this is, man, this is so important because people will jump over renewing their mind and say, I got discernment. Well, <laughs> no, 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 no. That, that's not how this works. That's not how this works. The, discerning, the discernment you have, the sharpening of your discernment is a product of your growth and maturity in truth, child of God. Let's keep going.
Well, oh, before I move on from that, let me. This this is my podcast, by the way, so I guess I can't take my time. I feel like I'm always got to rush, but let me take my my time for a moment and indulge in something that's important to see here. The scripture says in Hebrews five and twelve, for though by the t- by this time you ought to be teachers. Now notice the scripture says you ought. You ought. Hebrews five and twelve. The writer, I believe, of Hebrews is Paul. Paul says to them, for the time you ought. Now, when you look this word up in the Greek language, ought means a debt. It means something due, like a bill, like a financial debt owed. That's what ought means. So he's saying, by this time, you owe God to be teaching this. Oh, that's heavy. God, that's heavy. And it's heavy because most believers don't understand this simple truth I'm about to tell you. And please, please grab this. God expects his children to grow up spiritually. No, no child of God. Ought is indicative of expectation. If I say you ought... That means I had an expectation of your performance of something. Ought, here in this verse of scripture, speaks of something being due. So God puts upon his children, right, the expectation that we are to grow up. I love you, child of God, but hear me and hear me well. Being 20 years a baby is against the will of God for your life. Being 15 years a spiritual baby is against the will of God for your life. To find a place in your spiritual development where you're happy, content, comfortable, not going any further, I'm going to stay right here on the pew and I'm just going to let everybody else do everything else and grow. I ain't growing. That is not the will of God. We're going to be shocked when we get to heaven based upon the word of God because there's an expectation on us to grow. And he says to them, you ought to be teaching this by now. It has come due that you should be able to tell somebody else this. It has come due that you should be an example to teach others. He says, but you have become those who need not meat, but you need milk. (laughs) He says, when the time I'm expecting to serve you steak I've got to go into the kitchen, into the refrigerator, and get the Similac, shake it up, put it in a bottle, and come give you milk. And he says this as though it is an indictment to them as God's children. Because God expects us, in all of his grace, in all of his mercy, in all of his love for us that is unfailing and never changing, he never leaves us nor forsakes forsakes us. His mercy endures forever. Even in the midst of that, the father says, my expectation is for you to grow up. Amen. Amen. And so in growing up and developing to solid food, our discernment, watch this, sharpens as we grow. Hallelujah. The discernment gets sharper as I grow. It doesn't get sharper as I pray. It doesn't get sharper as I sing. 
It doesn't get sharper as I worship. It doesn't get sharper even as I go to church. It gets sharper as I take in God's word and I grow thereby in obedience, in the way I live, in the way I speak, in the way I walk. So as I'm growing in truth, that means I'm living it out in my life. I read a verse and I appropriate it. When I understand it, I put it to work. When I understand it, I put it to work. When I understand it, and as I do that, and as I grow, my discernment starts growing. Number one, because I'm going to get fruit of obedience to the word that's going to further fortify my discernment when somebody comes along and tells me something that that word doesn't work. Or the truth ain't the truth. Well, you're too late for me because I've already seen the truth come to pass. You can't tell me. It's like saying, you know, that it's like telling somebody there's no water in the pool and I'm out there swimming. It's too late. It's too late for me. I know it's water in the pool because I'm experiencing it. And once we grow in our obedience to the word, we start to experience the fruit of the word. And that experience fortifies the, the mind and fortifies the soul against people coming to you with deceiving thoughts and ideas and narratives. You're able to discern the truth. You can see it from afar off because you're a doer of the word. Amen. Now, let's look at one other place. And then I'm going to let you go because I've been on here for a pretty long time now. Ephesians 4. In Ephesians 4, the scripture tells us, and I'm only going to go to one verse of scripture, but in the process of your own time, you can read verses 11 through 15. And it gives you more of a contextual um, a presentation of what I'm about to say, because I'm just going to take this one verse out of the middle of that context where he's talking about the ministry gifts, the apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher, and all of that. When he's talking about those ministry gifts and what they're for, he says, among other things, therefore, it is for this in verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine or teaching by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Now notice this verse. It says, among other things, the ministry gifts ought to facilitate our growth so that we're no longer children tossed to and fro. So a characteristic of spiritual childishness and being a spiritual baby is the propensity to be tossed. Spiritual babies are easily tossed. Now, uh, let me clarify something here. I have seen people who have been saved for a few years, you know, and, and they've been in the things of God for a while. And we sometimes equate time spent as maturation experienced, if you would. <laughs> that the longer they've been something, they're most definitely growing, right? That's kind of the assumption we have. It's like, you've been saved for five years. You, 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 you got to be growing. But the, but the truth is, in spiritual things, you know, if, if you're five years, of, if you've been alive five years, we have a six-year-old daughter who's about to turn seven, right? And so for six, now almost seven years, basically seven years, she has been growing over time, and now she's much taller, she's much stronger, she's much more everything, 
and she's cuter too, <laughs> even than she was when she was a baby, right? And so over time, we kind of, we're so used to watching people grow over time, we think that time almost equals growth. In spiritual things, that's not so. In spiritual things, if you don't intend to grow, you won't. If you don't purpose to grow, you won't. You'll be saved and you'll stay in a babyhood stage of development in perpetuity. And one of the characteristics of that babyhood stage is that you're easily tossed by winds of teaching. Oh, somebody can write a magazine article and you're ready to put the Bible down to chase after it. You can sit in the Word of God and you can hear good preaching and know the Word of God, but then somebody go on and do one podcast. One podcast that, that appeals or itches or scratches an itch in your flesh and off you go. Woo you're off in left field now. Now you're about to, you got to do this with your life. <laughs> and now you're about to do that with your life. And you're about to go over here. And you're about to go over there. And much like children, when children are small, children's attention span is, is very, very short. And so children, are, they'll be sitting there listening to you, and in five seconds, they're looking at something else. And then they're over here looking at this. And it's like, hey, 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 listen, 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 listen. And so they don't pay attention very easily because children are easily tossed. And what is indicative of spiritual babyhood is that we're easily distracted, easily tossed. And I've seen a lot of people be easily tossed. Our age, even though evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse, our age and time that we're living in, more than anything else, hear me, child of God, and hear my heart when I tell you this, more than anything else, it is proving the stage of development of the body. Let me just let that sit on you. It's proving where we are. It's proving how much we've grown. It's proving how much we have not patterned ourselves after the world, renewed our minds, and are apprehending the will of God. And people will say, oh man, the times, man, it's just the times, the times, the times, the times are proving us. And so it is incumbent upon us to embrace the Bible, the Word of God, and what it tells me about discernment. Because if I'm not careful, I will look up here, and I will become this person, right, who is completely thrown off of everything I said I believe because the right person gets on television and tells me opposite. You see, that is indicative of being a child spiritually. Now, you say, well, I'm a grown man. I'm a grown woman, Pastor Iron. That's, that's a little insulting. I'm not speaking to you as a person personally. I'm talking about in spirit. Man is a spirit. I'm talking about in spirit, spiritually. We have to embrace this. We have to, we have to come to terms with this. Yes, there's deception in the world today, but child of God, more than anything, it's showing that we're children. We're children in our understanding. We're children in our faith. We're children in our love walk. We're children in our fidelity to the truth. You, you can see it in the fact that sometimes in the body, we need so many bells and whistles to keep us in the church. It's like if you, don't, if you stop entertaining us for one second, we're going to go back out to the world. You know, if you, if you don't, if you don't, you, you got to give us more. Gotta give, keep, us, keep us, keep us, keep us, keep us, keep our attention, keep our attention, keep our attention. That's really the spirit of our times. It's almost as though people feel like, oh, my God, 
And, 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 and we're, we're drifting here and there and we're trying to do everything because we're dealing with a massive amount of spiritual babyhood, spiritual infancy. And that's good to a certain degree because we've all been infants, right? Everybody, yours truly included, I've been a baby, you understand me? And we've all been that, but the Father expects us to grow. And what we're needing now in these times is for children of God to intend to grow up, to intend to mature. Amen? So now let me give you this one parting thought and then I'm done. Here is the good news. As we walk in truth, our discernment becomes sharper. To the point, hear me, that we can discern not only good and evil, but good and God. Oh, man. We can discern not just good and evil, but what is good versus what is God, or what Paul said was what is lawful versus what is expedient. You see, when your discernment begins to sharpen, you not only begin to be able to understand what's good and evil, but you begin to understand what's just close enough, but not quite God. <laughs> oh, it's close, but that ain't God. And this is where the enemy really gets us. Because he gets real, because the Bible says he transforms himself into the, as an angel of light. Satan will always masquerade himself as enlightenment and inspiration. And in this day and age, we are big on inspiration. And we're big on being inspired. And, and if we're not careful in the course of time, we get things that get so close to Jesus, but yet so far away. But when you walk in his truth and you follow after him, and you don't pattern yourself after this world, you come to know the voice of your shepherd and a stranger's you won't hearken unto, I don't care how much that strange voice tries to mimic the voice of your master. You know the difference. I know the difference between somebody who is mimicking an actor and the actor. There are some guys out there that do great impersonations of people, but if you are ever thoroughly aware of the voice of that, that authentic actor, you know the difference. Right. And we have to recognize Satan will try to pose as God. He will try to pose as the word of God. He will try to pose as truth and he will try to get as close to God's word as he possibly can without accepting it. You remember in Matthew chapter four, he quoted scripture to Jesus. Now, brother, when you quote the word to the word, there is no end to what you will do to deceive people. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So Satan will get as close as he possibly can, but yet so far away. And when we grow in our application of truth, our discernment becomes so sharp, we can cut between that mimic, we can cut between God and good and say, yeah, that sounded good, but it wasn't God. And we can know that that is lawful, but that is not expedient for us. Child of God, I pray that you take this podcast to heart. This is equipment for these last days that we live in. 
so that you and I can navigate through this maze of deception and lies and falsehoods and narratives and, and winds of doctrine and shifting times, that we can navigate through this and stay completely loyal to our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in this podcast that I feel like the Apostle Paul, when he was talk, talking to the church at Corinth, I want, I want to present you to Christ as a chaste virgin, a spouse to one husband, <laughs> and that's him. I don't want you moved to the left or to the right. I don't want you shaken. I don't want you stirred. I don't want you disquieted. I want your roots deep in the truth you found in him. And I'm telling you, it's possible to have a discernment so sharp that you don't have to worry about anything knocking you off the path. Amen? But we have a responsibility to grow in the word of God. Share this with those you love. Share this with those that you believe need to hear this word because I really believe it is a word that is pertinent for our times. God bless you. I love you. And until the next time, walk in the truth.